Welcome everybody, wherever you may be in the world today. Welcome to the very first Hot Topics podcast brought to you by MB Medical. My name is Neil Tucker. So if you haven't met me before on one of the courses or out and about, then I'm a GP. I now work in Oxford, but I also spend a little bit of time away from practice each week, having a look at the latest journals, guidelines, research that's relevant to us in primary care finding what we think is useful for us in day-to-day practice, writing it down, and then taking it around the country and sharing it with like-minded people. If you're listening to this, you're probably very familiar with the Hot Topics courses. On the podcast, we're going to do things slightly differently. So we're going to have a look at some of the latest current affairs that have come out in the medical journals over the last couple of weeks. We're going to have a look at some of the very latest research that's been published as well that has caught my eye. We'll have a look at some of the most interesting discussions that we've had with delegates on the latest Hot Topics courses. Those ones that have provoked a bit of debate, perhaps, that we can explore a bit further in the podcast. And I'm always on the lookout for things that are perhaps pushing the envelope of medicine, expanding our knowledge about the body and the world. And while it may not be relevant to us in primary care for the next 10 or 20 years, Frankly, if someone's having a head transplant, I want to know about it. So we're going to be sharing some of the latest cutting edge medicine as well. So first, let's start with the news. And two stories caught my eye this week. You may remember seeing in the um, national media, there was this story about police cracking down on this international drug ring that had been shipping six billion pounds worth of drugs across the English Channel from the Netherlands. This coincided with the government banning exports of certain medical products, particularly HRT, from the country in light of national shortages. I can't help but think that this is going to leave a gap in the black market and we could start seeing an illicit trade in transdermal hormones being smuggled out of the country to the continent to our poor European colleagues that can no longer get access to them. So the next big story, of course, was the publication by Dame Sally Davies of her report on childhood obesity. And this was discussed widely in the media and the medical forums alike. The figures are absolutely staggering. So there are around 3,800 tooth extractions in children per year. This has to be carried out in hospital, usually under a general anaesthetic. And the driving force, of course, is consumption of sugary foods. Almost one in three children are overweight or obese by the time they leave primary school. And in 2017, there were almost 800 cases of type 2 diabetes, which is an increase of around 100 times compared with a decade before. So in her report, she set out a range of different measures that could be taken to try and improve this terrible situation. And there were dozens and dozens of recommendations. It must drive her absolutely mad that the main one that was picked up on was a suggestion about banning kids from eating biscuits on buses. And people were up in arms, citing their civil liberty to eat what they want, when they want, on what they want. That's really, uh, really missing the point. I think that 
freedom, of course, needs to be protected. But as someone on one of the forums quite rightly pointed out, free choice is largely a myth. We are all being constantly manipulated. We as doctors are very, very aware of this with the pharmaceutical companies. But actually, this is happening all around the world and has been for many years, particularly driven by food and drinks manufacturers. And of course, the ones who are influenced the most by this manipulation are the young. So I think it's very welcome that she calls for a greater taxing on sugar, that she calls for changes to the way industry makes and publicizes their products. And of course, while it would be great to think that industry would do this for themselves and their populations, the reality is they've had lots of opportunities to make their products more healthy. And yet it just doesn't seem to happen. The rate of change is glacially slow and we need action now. So I think that many of the recommendations in the report are very, very welcome. Then having a look at the journals this week, the um, one of the most um, largely covered topics this week, as well as the last few weeks, has been e-cigarettes. So in the New England Journal of Medicine, there's m- uh, multiple different reports on the effects that e-cigarettes can have on the body, um, on the trends of e-cigarette use in younger people, the um, real-time following over the last couple of months of reports in America about lung injuries relating to e-cigarette use. The Lancet has a very, very um, uh, good opinion piece on e-cigarettes. And uh, we've already um, discussed on the course and in um, Rob Walker's latest blog um, on the MB Medical website about the recent BMJ uh, reports around e-cigarette use. Today was the first time I learned about the um, the actual medically used term for e-cigarettes, and um, they are uh, described as electronic nicotine delivery systems, which have the acronym ENDS. Now, I think this is quite ironic, ironic because um, we are um, potentially seeing a massive shift in the way we consider e-cigarettes. So in 2015, Public Health England published this report on e-cigarette use suggesting that they are 95% safer than traditional cigarette smoking. And this is something that uh, the media still frequently use. It's something that we as medics have held on to. We have used it as a justification for people to shift their nicotine delivery from standard cigarettes to e-cigarettes. And whilst e-cigarettes are not licensed as, as a medical device, they are becoming more and more commonly used in this method. And I know lots of smoking cessation clinics around the country are are actually funding e-cigarette starter packs to try and get people off of conventional cigarettes. So there's been a lot of debate around the the relative merits of e-cigarettes in the context of smoking cessation. And in Rob's blog, he goes into more detail about this. It's well worth having a read. But it's getting harder and harder to ignore the potential problems that e-cigarettes can drive in the body. For example, in the New England Journal of Medicine, they reported on a case series of 17 patients who had lung imaging. All of the patients had e-cigarette use, all showing signs of acute lung injury on that imaging. And they appeared to be showing 
essentially a chemical pneumonitis. And this is um, thought to be a direct response to inhaling the vapours. There's been many other reports and studies published over the last couple of years or so on e-cigarettes. For instance, one showing that they very rapidly can cause changes in, in the vasculature. They can very rapidly cause changes within the, uh, the lung airways. They do not appear to be as benign as perhaps it has been suggested in the past. So I thought it would be useful to maybe just try and unpick this figure of 95% safer than conventional cigarettes that uh, that Public Health England are uh, are holding on to. And they really are holding on to it. So after the reports from America came out, after multiple countries around the world have um, started introducing complete bans on e-cigarettes, Public Health England steadfastly stood by this 95% figure. It comes from a 2014 report published in the European Addictions Journal from a group of international experts convened by the Independent Scientific Committee on Drugs. And they were comparing a wide range of tobacco products, looking at the the harms of them, both for the user and for those around them. They looked at 12 different products. They had 14 harm criteria, seven of which were directly for the user, seven of which were about harms to other. And then they weighted the um, results out of 100 so that they could um, quantify the relative merits or um, obviously otherwise of each different product. Perhaps no surprise, cigarettes come out top as the most harmful product overall. This was given the weighted score of 100. And then far down the list beyond smoking pipes and cigars and um, chewing tobacco and the like came ENDS, the electronic nicotine delivery systems of which e-cigarettes are part of. E-cigarettes had a relative weighting of just five, which is where they come up with this figure of 95% safer. But to understand that, you also have to understand what the criteria they were looking at were. So, for example, direct harms to the individual were product-specific mortality, product-related mortality, product-specific morbidity, product-related morbidity, dependence, loss of tangibles, loss of relationships, injury, crime, and the like. And I think it's very telling that the data that this is based on is old. In the words of the introduction of the paper, our understanding of the potential hazards associated with using electronic nicotine delivery systems is at a very early stage. They didn't have a lot of data. They freely admit that um, this is not based on um, solid evidence. This is based on their best understanding at the time. And you can see how quickly with the newer data that we have, we can undo these findings. So one small component, let's look at dependence. You remember on the recent Hot Topics course, we was presenting this New England Journal of Medicine paper based on UK findings, showed that people were twice as likely to give up cigarettes using e-cigarettes compared with nicotine replacement therapy. However, 80% of that group would still be using e-cigarettes at one year, compared with only 9% who had the nicotine replacement therapy. So the reality is that people are just switching their dependence. They're still dependent on nicotine. 
They're just um, switching their delivery mode. This is important because in the study that Public Health England are quoting, it clearly shows that the, the risk of dependence using electronic cigarettes is tiny compared with a fairly substantial weighting given to dependents on smoking cigarettes. This data clearly shows that that finding in this report is, um, is no longer valid. In the commentary in The Lancet, they call for national bodies to reanalyze the evidence on e-cigarettes and ask how different are e-cigarettes from combustible cigarettes. I think this is something that clearly we have to do. Public Health England desperately holding on to this idea that e-cigarettes are safer and that are healthier than um, cigarettes. And I think all of this data calls into question. There's also the concerns, of course, in the younger population. And whilst uh, there has been some debate in the UK data, US data reported the New England Journal of Medicine in the last week or so seems quite clear. Around 20% or so of children, of teenagers, have have tried e-cigarettes in the last month. And just over 10% by the age of 17 or 18 are regular users. These are indeed quite worrying statistics. So lastly, something different. And as I was trawling through New Scientist this week, this story came up about a gentleman who had had a severe spinal cord injury many years ago, being able to walk again using an exoskeleton and just the power of his mind. This really does represent the far end of medicine. So they have managed to put electrodes into his brain, um, which then by thought he can control the limbs of this exoskeleton and allow him to walk, albeit with some additional support at the moment. There are inherent problems with having electrodes sticking out of your actual brain. They're working on that one, but you've got to, got to be impressed by the, um, by the technology here. It won't be long, will it, before we're all having some kind of implantable upgrades into us, just like we see in science fiction. So that's it for our first Hot Topics podcast. I hope you found some of this interesting. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be keeping uh, a check on the, the latest news and the latest research. We'll come and share that with you and hopefully explore it in a bit more depth. We'll also look to try and have some interviews, interviews with perhaps some of the other members of the Hot Topics team, all of which who have their own little areas of expertise. And we'll look to have some interviews with other medical leaders and experts to get an insight into what they're up to at the moment. So do subscribe, do check out the website, mbmedical.com and have a great weekend, everyone.